We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 125. Scott, we are back from Tampa. We did record some stuff while we were down in Tampa. It was a bootleg, makeshift audio setup, but we got it done. We figured we were in person. We had to get it done. That part of the podcast will be sort of the second half of this podcast, but we've got a lot to cover before we get to that. Yeah, we had a we had a bit of a debate whether we were going to actually record because I'm the one that's like more of an audio 
anal retentive guy and obviously that we knew there was going to be good content because I, I feel like, you know, when we're in person, it's, it's always just good conversation. And, um, and I agree with you. It's good conversation. The audio, everybody listening for later, because I am the, uh, the audio anal retentive person. I like my audio to sound good. It doesn't sound good. It sounds okay. And I'm going to make it sound as good as possible. But uh, just beware, but it's good stuff. So, so definitely give it a listen. It's funny how the audio can sound better when we are 2,000 2, miles away from one another over Skype. Well, Because we were in a freaking wooden box and we had one mic that was working because we realized if we were on two mics, you could hear the other person through the other microphone. It was a giant pain in the ass. It was amateur so hour. That's why we did it. It was amateur hour. And we took a picture and said to that, we're, we're fully embracing amateur hour. <laughs> well, it was especially amateur hour when you rolled in that towel stand <laughs> trying to tried to like cushion the walls of the room i don't know what you were going for there but didn't quite work anyway we figured we were down there we had to record some stuff while we were in the same room so uh tune in for that in, a, in about a half hour or so the fan shop 25 percent off code for this week is delicious and if you've been following the news around greg bird you know that is for his hairless cat that may or may not be related to Mr. Bigglesworth of Austin Powers. I'm saying that's bullshit. Cat was not it's related to Mr. Bigglesworth. Way too convenient. That uh, that family friend that breeds hairless cats just wanted to offload some some of its merch, some of its, some of its inventory to Greg Bird, so it had to lie and say that it was a descendant of Dr. Evil's cat. But use code DELICIOUS, spell it correctly, and get 25% off in the fan shop. Also, rate and review the podcast in iTunes. Uh, we're up over 200 at this point. All those five-star reviews are awesome to see and read. It really helps us out. Stitcher Radio, Google Play, wherever it is you listen, give it a five-star review if you enjoy the podcast. Scott and I definitely appreciate it. So, so Scott, it was a, it was a fun trip, and I, were, I know we're going to get all into that uh, in the second half, but there's a few topics that we got to cover and some mailbags. So um, let's get into that right now. How sad are you going to be if indeed Ref Snyder is moved and now it looks like the Rays are interested in the utility playing Rob Ref Snyder? Yeah, it's going to be a disappointment because especially when you look at the situation right now with the fact that Didi's out and Castro being a former shortstop, there is a potential of him sliding over and Ref Snyder playing a second base utility role. The guy has value. But it's not going to happen, most likely. And they're probably going to get better value and a return at this point. I think if he plays in AAA, I don't, again, I don't remember how many options he has any left, even if he has any left. He may not because he was sent up and down a couple of times or a few times. And uh, so, yes, I'm going to be disappointed. He's one of my favorite guys. He was one that I don't think really got a fair shake as a Yankee. And honestly, if I'm a fan of Rob Refsnyder, I think the best thing for him is to get traded and have an opportunity somewhere else. Yeah, I'd like to ideally not see it in the division. That that would suck, having to see him 18, 19 times a year. Because I think if he's given a full season, he could actually be a pretty good hitter. I think you and I agree on that. Yeah, I definitely – I think he has the ability to be a good hitter, there's no doubt. And I think we were talking about this uh, earlier today on, on, a, on a Facebook Messenger with Rich as well. And he mentioned that Oakland – it does feel like oh, Oakland yeah. is like a beautiful fit. I've said all along, summer. he's a Billy Bean player. Yeah. I feel like that's a that's a really good spot for him. Or, you know, I don't know what the Diamondbacks second base situation is or utility guy is, but he's an Arizona guy from you know, from the from where he went to school. That could be a good opportunity too. So, you know, wherever he goes, I just hope he gets an opportunity to to play because I think he's earned it. 
Yeah, I just picture Billy Bean with stacks of paper, like he's a beautiful mind, running all the numbers in his head, just seeing Rob Ref Snyder being uh, playing all sorts of positions and on the diamond. He's he's got a hard on for players like Rob Ref Snyder. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I think a lot of I think a lot of people should should covet guys like Ref Snyder because having a flexible utility guy who could play different positions and bring a solid bat because m- the majority of those guys can't hit. That's that's like a, a pretty well-known thing. Like your Brendan Ryans and Pete Cosmas of the world who don't even play the outfield. They play mostly infield. But the utility guys, a lot of them, unless, you're, unless your name is Ben Zobris, don't hit very well. Yeah. Um, Ref Snyder really hasn't had a great spring, so his trade value is pretty much nothing at this point. But again, yeah, we'll see what happens. He hasn't happens. helped himself out. He definitely has not helped himself out. Yeah. He, he, had, he had some value maybe back in 2015, but we can't rehash all of that at this point. Uh, I think you and I have had enough of talking about the Rob Ressner or Stephen Drew dilemma. <laughs> yes. um, on the podcast that we recorded in Tampa, you and I were saying that, God, we hope John Neese doesn't make the team. And thank <laughs> God he's not going to make the team because the Yankees released him today. And it's good because I was having Chris Capuano flashbacks. If you remember, Chris Capuano was like the chick that you call at 2 a.m. That's how the Yankees were treating him. Every time they needed a spot start or some mop-up duty, he would come in and just suck. And, Give up uh, nine runs. Yeah. And uh, that's what John Neese was going to be, and I'm glad I don't have to watch that. Yeah, no, it's 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 a, a very good thing for all Yankee fans across the globe that John Neese is no longer a Yankee. This was, uh, this was something we asked for a couple days ago, and the Yankees delivered, so I appreciate that. And that gives a really, really clear spot. In my opinion, that's a nice opening for our boy, Ben Heller. To, uh, to make the roster. I think he really does have a good chance to make that team. He's had a great spring. I'm rooting for him. Obviously, we, we had an awesome conversation with him. If you have not listened to that podcast, go listen. It's the last one. It's episode 124. Talked about a lot of cool stuff with Ben Heller. And um, it was funny when we, uh, in the stands, uh, we were talking to Jason Zillow of the PR, uh, of the PR staff of the Yankees, and you mentioned Knee that... Job. <laughs> you mentioned that we talked to Ben Heller and he was like, yeah, he seems like the perfect guy for you guys to, to have a podcast with because he's just a really laid back guy. So um, I'm rooting yeah. for him. If, if, you know, if producing at the end of spring training means anything and we, we've talked about, you know, what, what it means at the end of spring training, the beginning of spring training, like how does Girardi actually put all of it together? If it does mean something towards the end um, and from what Ben was talking about, Towards the end of spring training, these guys are actually trying to get more results than just working on pitches. You know, to get the actual, um, to get the outs, to make sure your, your your line is nice and clean. And he did that. He did that on Sunday. He had a really good. I think he pitched an inning and a third with uh, with three strikeouts. So, you know, he's he's produced. I think from the beginning of spring training to the end, I think he's shown them everything that that hopefully they're looking for. There's so much mystery with who's not only going to get the fourth and fifth starter spots, but who's going to f- round out the bullpen. I just feel like they have yeah. not really let on as to who's going to win those spots. I mean, it's it's what nine guys, seven or eight guys going for five spots. Yeah, I mean, you're, even now the the utility spot for for who's going to start at shortstop. I mean, that's still up in the air as well, of right now as a recording Monday night. Yeah, I'm just talking about the pitching staff though. We know the top three rotation guys, and we know the back fo- back three of the bullpen. We I think we know Severino is going to be in the rotation. I, I feel like we know that. Okay, but if he's not, that would be a major upset. Severino's going to be on the team. I think he's going to be in the in the rotation. I agree with you, but if he's not, he's going to probably. 
Well, actually, no. See, that's I think- see, that's where I think you're wrong. I think he's gonna be. He'll be in Triple A if he doesn't make the team. If he doesn't make the rotation, he'll be in Triple A because they want to keep him stretched out. You don't think that they're gonna have starry eyes thinking about him in the bullpen because we know he's nasty. There, we saw him pitch in relief, dominant in relief on Friday. No, because they're they see that and they're like, well. He's going to do it as a starter. Soon enough, it's going to work. It's That's why they're work. going to put him in the major leagues as a starter, yeah. which is, we agree on exactly. this. We've talked about it, and we, we agree on this. And we know, obviously, Chapman and Batances. We know Tyler Clippard. We think Adam Warren's making the team one way or another. We think Brian Mitchell's making the team one way or another. Uh, Chad Green is a question. We don't know if he's going to make the team. Heller. Yeah, I think he's a... Chad Green, I think, is one of those guys that's that's a serious question mark. I think, I, I don't know if he's competing with Heller because if they see him as a bullpen guy, he could be. Uh, that's a that that's a that's one I actually wasn't thinking about thinking about when we were just talking about Heller. But Chad Green could be uh, be one of those guys who who could compete with him um, if they are seeing him in the bullpen. He's a similar type pitcher. Yeah. So it's just a little bit of a uh, it's up in the air for a lot of those spots, and we're going to find out over the next few days who who wins them. Um. Did you read that uh, George King thing on Clint Frazier over the weekend? Or you didn't yes. read it over the weekend. I know you didn't read it over the we- weekend because I was with you this weekend. But did you, did you read it today? I read nothing over the weekend. I did read it today. And I saw that it's, it's uh, you know, yet another article of the, of the Carlos uh, or Jose Quintana yeah. sweepstakes and who can trade for him and who's a good fit and all this other nonsense. And it's, it's a, to me, it's a fluff piece. Well, the, I, it's probably the, the whole trade speculation with Jose Quintana. I compared it to the T1000 in Terminator 2. It's the thing that just will not die. You could blow it up, you could run it over. Jose Quintana to the Yankees is going to go on forever until it either happens or Quintana gets traded to another team. It's just something right. I think we're going to have to deal with. Um, maybe I might put a moratorium on talking about it on this podcast, just like I put a moratorium on talking about Bryce Harper free agency. I don't know if it, I don't know if it quite deserves that because it could get juicy. The, the Bryce Harper situation is like years away. At, at least Quintana could be months away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But the thing that I noticed, didn't it sound like King had a, a bone to pick with, with Frazier? Like Frazier, I, like snubbed him for an interview or something because he was pretty harsh on him. I just think it's such an easy... He's like an, he's an easy target at this point, and I don't really think it's warranted. Yeah, I think exactly. it's just kind of like it's just like uh, get all, it's you know what it is. I, just, I I know exactly what it is. It's it's the whole goose gossage, get off my lawn mentality. This kid's coming up doing things a little bit differently. He's got a slight edge to him with the way that he says things, and 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 it can be turned into something way more. Even though it's, I, I think people are reaching on on what. You know the way he's saying things, even the whole hair thing. Like he cut his hair he to cut the it. way that they wanted him to before. But before he cut it, he cut it. He's cut it twice. So well, he they said it, it was fine, and then he cut beard. it again when they said it wasn't fine. He had a beard when he was traded. Immediately shaved the beard. I wouldn't call that a beard. He he was attempting. He he had the equivalent of your first beard. Remember your first beard <laughs> that you tried to grow when you were like twenty years old that just didn't come in. That was his first beard. I can't tell if it's a first beard or if that's just like what the beginnings of a red-haired beard looks like. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like Sidney Crosby tries to uh, grow a playoff beard every every hockey playoffs, and he still just gets patchy. Uh, anyway, he shaved. Then he cut his hair to like Ben Gamma length. Clearly, that like wasn't day, like day of. It was the first. It was probably the first picture he tweeted out after he got traded. Clearly, that wasn't good enough. And we talked to him back in November. It was pretty clear that. He was going to use his red hair as a marketing tool for him in the major leagues, right? Sure. Yeah. 
I don't blame him. I don't I don't blame him for that. That doesn't fly with the Yankees. Okay. It eventually got to the point where and Girardi's quote even said it. He was sick of talking about his hair instead of talking about baseball. So he cut it and you can't see his hair anymore. So it's perfect. End of story. That shows maturity, don't you agree? It shows compliance. That's that's at, at the very bare minimum. It shows compliance to the rules that are set by a team, doesn't it not? I mean, yeah. he did what they asked him to do. When well, he said cut it, he cut it. King called him an immature player, and he said he needs to grow up before he gets called up. Now, I would, I would, I would agree that maybe Frazier could be characterized as slightly immature. I mean, tweeting at Jen Selter the day after or whatever it is that he got traded to the Yankees is slightly immature. It's funny. I think it's funny. And I think that had it been for, if he had still been on the Indians, I think it would have just been a fun story and no one would have cared. But fine. If you want to call him slightly immature, call him slightly immature. But did you get, like, uh, a sense of cockiness or anything like that? I Because King called him cocky when he was asked... Uh, Frazier was asked, are you an, are you going to be an opposite field hitter? Because we've seen you go to the opposite field a lot this spring. And he said, no, I feel I'm an all fields hitter. And King characterized that as a cocky statement. <clears throat> Borderline cocky, mainly just confident in his abilities. Okay. So I've gone through this statement in my head and I've, I've also thought about it as like, I've put my marketing brand hat on and I, I thought about the, what was said. First of all, you cannot hear how it was said in words uh, in an article. You can't. So, did he say that? No, I'm an all hit. I'm an all fields hitter. Like you know what I mean? I don't know. Was there nah, swag bitch, behind I'm the an all fields hitter? Yeah. You think he actually I mean, said that? You think he said it like that, or if you just? Like, I don't know. No, I think there I was probably some. Stu- no, this is what I, I think. I think it was overblown. I think maybe there was a little bit of a tone to it, and George and King overblew it, the whole thing, and, and blew it out of proportion. He saw an opportunity to get a lot of clicks because the damn newspapers are dying and they need clicks. So he he put out this article saying that he's cocky, he's immature, he needs to grow up. Because what does that do? It shows people. It, it gives you um, the other side of it. Because Yankee fans like Clint Frazier. The younger Yankee fans love Clint Frazier because. They can actually relate to somebody. They're starting to be able to relate to a guy. The worst thing for Clint Frazier on that side of the Yankees baseball is Glaber Torres and Greg Bird because they are so perfect <laughs> for the New York Yankees. Yeah. yeah, and he is a little bit different. Uh, I I don't think that. I, I do I think he's a, a, a tad arrogant. Sure, but but I think you have to be a tad arrogant when you're that good and you're playing at that level. I mean, there there needs to be that that a you know, that ability to, to think you're better than everybody else. You know, sometimes you just don't say it and you, you play the right cards, but so yeah, can he learn some of those things and how to, you know, say things a little bit better to the media? Probably, but he's, what is he? 22 years old. I mean, come on, he's a freaking 22 year old. We're looking at Greg Bird and Glaber Torres as way, way older than they seem, or I'm sorry, they seem way older than they actually are. So it's, it's, it's almost unfair to compare the two because I think they're very, rare in in that sense it's also not like Frazier is hot dogging it on the field or showing players up on the field I mean he was busting his ass every time he was on the field That's- yeah he's done nothing wrong on the field he, he hit over 300 he had some good power he played a good uh he played a good outfield Girardi complimented him on growing offensively and defensively so on the baseball diamond 
he has he's done everything that they've asked, I think. Do they think that he could take more steps with 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 his baseball? Absolutely. But unfortunately, I think the New York media has gotten him and has has turned this into something that that it really shouldn't be. And uh well, if he's already know, I, off to a bad start with the New York media and he's not even played one day in the major leagues, that's not a good start for him because the New York media will eat you up, spit you out. And it's, I think it's kind of starting. I, I think they're showing that it's gonna be they're, a long, they're not letting up on him. Yeah, they're not letting up on him. It's going to be a long road for Frazier then. I just don't think, I just don't know if he deserves it, honestly. The whole red hair thing, I mean, that's, that's, that's everybody else also. I mean, well, you everybody else it. makes a big deal out of it. He's a, you said it. He's an easy target. He is an easy target. He was the centerpiece that came back for the Andrew Miller deal. Andrew Miller was filthy in the Bronx and then filthy in the playoffs and in the World Series for the Indians. So Frazier had a microscope on him. That's what comes with being a high prospect for the Yankees. You're under the microscope. If he didn't have those early Twitter days when he first got dra- when he first got brought over, the whole Jen Seltzer thing, and he was tweeting about his roommates and things like that, if that didn't exist and he was just doing what he does now, posting like nice pictures of his girlfriend that he's in love with, and just like very simple tweets saying how much he loves being a Yankee and all these things, if he didn't have that beginning Twitter part, this would be a non-story. I'm telling you, from that, they all thought he's a cocky kid. And they've just, for whatever reason, latched onto it and that it's grown. The old baseball media can't handle it. No, it's true. They can't. But they, I mean, the old baseball media was able to handle guys like Reggie Jackson. No one was more full of himself than Mr. October. But it was a different thing because... It was a different era, but... Well, private life back then was private. You know what it is. Things you did in the clubs were private. Here's the difference. Reggie Jackson, because he played in the 70s, had to go directly to the media. So they were the intermediary between the players and the public. We've talked about this before. Now Frazier is going out there on social media doing his own doing his own branding, getting his own message out there. He's coming on podcasts like ours. He no longer has to go to the, through the traditional media. So they're getting a little pissy. And they have to create stories. Yeah. It's bullshit. Well, other, but other people are doing it too. It's just the fact that I think the very beginning of when he was doing it, he was... Uh, I don't know. I, I don't for whatever reason I think they just have an edge with this dude. I don't and think he deserves all of this. I no, think he's I don't been, either. He's been a model citizen ever since he's been on this team. And he played his ass off in spring and he hit well. He hit yeah. 308 in 20 games. And like you and I were saying when we were down in Tampa, I could see the combination of him and Aaron Judge being extremely fun and marketable for the Yankees. They kind of would create a little Bash Brothers type of uh, relationship like the Oakland A's had with McGuire and Canseco. Hopefully they're not doing all the steroids, but hopefully they're hitting all the home runs. They have marketing opportunities ahead of them, big marketing opportunities. And Frazier's one of them. Frazier's one of them. And he's one of the one of the big ones. And yeah. if they if they continue this and it goes down this road where everybody's just completely shitting on him all the time, then he's going to get that a, a label with people who don't follow the team as much, where they just see these articles and they're going to have a perception. And in this case, in my opinion, the perception is not the reality. Yeah, can I listen? I'm I love shitting on people, but can we at least wait until they do something wrong before we shit on them? Seriously, especially this day and age when it's so easy to do something wrong, <laughs> and he really hasn't. We'll be the first to let you know when he does something wrong if he does something wrong. Yeah, like you and a guy who hasn't done anything wrong, Glyber Torres, model citizen. He's acting like he's a young Derek Jeter. Win, wins the James P. Dawson Award, which goes to the best Yankee rookie in spring. I mean, he was he was amazing. Um, I don't know what else I mean, there's to do, say do, about Gliber Torres other than he's amazing. 
this is something that we, you know, we read early on with this guy. You could just kind of tell the way he acts, the way he does things, the way he prepares. He's he's a stud. And I mean, he hit over 400 in, in spring. He had a, a you know, a, a ton of extra base hits. I mean, he did everything you could possibly ask for him. He's going to start in double A, and I think he's going to skyrocket through the system. Yeah. I would not be surprised if we saw him this year. I agree. Okay, let's get into some mailbags. The first one is from Ricardo, and he says, considering the horrible spring training your boy Chris Carter has had, is all Tyler Austin has to do to reclaim backup first base job is heal up and produce at AAA. So I want to mention that you and I did talk a little bit about Carter in the, in the Tampa recording that we did, but um, we didn't really talk about it in a sense about Tyler Austin. Um, since he broke his foot, which was about six weeks ago, He's been out of the news because he hasn't even been able to do baseball activities, but he's finally, I think, starting to get back into some baseball activities or at least walking on the foot because I know he had no, he couldn't do anything for six weeks and it's been about six weeks. Um, But Ricardo says is all he has to do is be healthy and produce at AAA. I mean, that that, that isn't nothing, that's something. So yeah, that is what he has to do. I mean, he has to, he has, he has to do that. There's that's, that's a 100% he has to do that. He has to get healthy and he has to produce a triple A yeah. if that's even going to be an option. But I mean, do you think also, Chris, do you think Chris Carter has to, well, Chris Carter has to completely be the Chris Carter of spring training as well. I mean, he has to be the guy that, that he's so, so far shown. And you and I, we didn't just talk about it. <laughs> Stay tuned for the, the second <laughs> half because, because both Andrew and I completely trashed him. I mean, I thought he looked like one of the worst baseball players I've ever seen in, in, in real life. I mean, he, he looked awful, in my opinion. He looked so, like a fat slob. So does does Tyler Austin have? Uh, well, so does he get- have a clearer path than I think he did earlier? That yeah, I think he does because I don't think they're going to have a lot of patience with Chris Carter. I think the three million dollars that they gave him, they will eat it. They will eat it I fast. Mean, that's that's funny money. That's nothing. But uh, Tyler Austin is not going to come straight to the major leagues. He's because he didn't have a spring no. training. So maybe he'll do extended spring training work and then go to AAA. He's going to go to AAA, I believe, to get no some doubt. live pitching. Yeah, uh, no, there's no doubt about that. He's going to go to AAA. He's not going to come straight to the majors. I mean, he he was a he was a late late season call up last year. It's not like he was uh, he was going to be on the team. This is a guy that that still needs to prove himself. But remember, it's not like Tyler Austin was going to be the backup first baseman, and then he got injured because they signed Carter before he got injured. So that was going to be a competition anyway. So who knows? Maybe it it you'll we'll never know because Austin got injured. But I'm assuming he would have been playing better this spring than um, Carter, right? Because you couldn't play worse than Carter. I mean, it's pretty difficult to play worse. (laughs) So even if he was average, he would have been better. Uh, So I think he would have, I I don't know if they would have named him the backup first baseman. I don't know if you name somebody that, but um, yeah, it's a a what if I still think after after the Chris Carter signing, I still think they were going to, they would have started Austin in AAA most likely. Unless he were to... Have unless really you see spring. an outfielder, yeah. Unless you see a fourth outfielder or, or fifth outfielder do completely terrible, and and Tyler Austin be stepping in as that super utility guy role because that was an option. I mean, we, we heard about him taking ground balls to third base too. So there's flexibility with Austin where there is zero flexibility with Chris Carter. It's it's a, a DH or first base against lefties, and that's it. Well, as far as Carter goes, though, he's gonna get time against lefties to start the season. I mean, yes, you're, we're we're not gonna. It's not like Greg Bird is going to be a platoon player. He's your starting no. first baseman and everyday first baseman. He's going to get off days, but it's yeah. not like Carter's going to be in there 
two or three times a week. That's just you can't take Bird's bat. I'm hoping you're going to find out. <laughs> I, I'm a really big fan of Greg Bird, but you're not going to just want to take Bird's bat out of the lineup if he's hitting. So Carter's going to be the uh, guy against lefties as a DH, maybe. But it's not like Holiday can't hit lefties. So if Chris Carter's not hitting home runs in the sporadic playing time he gets, when does he play? He doesn't. There's no other spot for him to play. That's it. And he's not. He's got no defensive value. So what's the point of him? He's a backup first baseman right now. A three million dollar backup first baseman. That's it. Who isn't good at first base? I would rather have Rob Ruffsnyder. <laughs> I would rather have somebody that could actually play a good defensive first base. I don't care about the one home run he might hit every fifty at bats or fifteen at whatever it is. The 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 deal is is that we have guys who can play first base. I mean. I don't know. Rob Refsnyder proved last year that you could throw a lot of people at first base and, and get by and just be okay. I mean, Romine could play first base too. There, there are options out there. So there are options on this team currently. So no, he is not a, he's Chris not a Carter, piece that Chris that Carter is does not really have a spot in this roster, which is what I said from the moment they signed him. Yeah. But your argument was completely, <clears throat> your argument went the wrong way. That's the problem. The Napoli thing just didn't make sense either. Anyway, I forgot I was arguing for Napoli. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, you're, it wasn't just that Chris Carter is the worst player ever and he's a terrible option for this. It was also the Napoli piece along with it. The, the Chris Carter at the end of it was a $3 million add-on that, that had no bearing on anything else. If he produces, he produces. If he doesn't, get rid of him. That's, that's, a, that's what he is. I think they're going to get rid of him. He's not making it I think so season. too. He's John Neese on first base. <laughs> uh, okay, what do we have next? All right, the next one is from Eric, Eric at Eric Wink. He said, how many games do you expect the Yankees to win and which Yankees do you expect to make the all-star team? Any bold predictions for the season? So, um, yeah, now is a good time as, as good a time as any to give some predictions because the the season starts next Sunday. It kind of came up on us quick, didn't it? It came up very fast, yeah. I mean, considering we have been putting out a podcast every single week of the offseason, I don't know how that is that that feeling is in my uh yeah. is in my head, but it does. Um, gut win prediction for me is 84 wins. I can't, I was going to say 84 wins because, because that's <laughs> it's a, right that's around a there. Logical, I, mean, it's, I mean, that's a logical guess, you know, 82 to 85, somewhere in that range. I mean, that's, that's where I see them. Here's, here's an interesting thing. So the Yankees have not been under 500 since the early nineties. If they make it through this year without going under 500, they could go on because we think this team is going to be really competitive starting next year. I mean, they could go, it could be 40 years by the time they're under 500. Yeah. I mean, 40 years is pretty aggressive, but yes. I mean, you never know what they're going to. It's been almost 30. After the, oh, you mean total? Total. After, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, no, that's, that's, that's about right. I'd say after this year, you're right. If, if they can get through this year, if they can survive this year and this year is a better season uh, than, than we're expecting or then I think before the spring, then yeah, they're going to, 2018 was always the target. 2018, 2019 were the two targets, but 2018, they're not a 500 team next year. 84 wins is about enough wins to have them sniffing the playoffs come September. The, the thing about 80, 80, uh, 82 to 83, 84 wins in that range, like I thought that's where they were before they had this torrid spring. So if expectations have been raised from a team that is doing this, then I, then I could see them squeaking more, more out. Because 
if you're looking at the at the makeup of this team right now and what these what these guys are, I mean, <laughs> spoiler alert, you're predicting an MVP type caliber season for Greg Bird. Mm-hmm. If if he is that guy, <laughs> then this team is is very possibly going to win more than 84 games. Well, I think that I I have definitely become more optimistic this spring, and it has it has very little to do with the fact that they're winning games because spring training wins mean shit. We we said that oh it creates a winning culture which is good and that's true but it really doesn't mean anything. What I am extremely optimistic about is the prospect of having Greg Bird and Gary Sanchez in the middle of the lineup. That it could be a dynamic duo and that completely shifts the outlook of this team. Yeah, it, it does. And again, we're I mean it has to go into the back of your mind what's happened in spring training because not just the wins. I mean throw the wins out. They could have the wins were a byproduct but of the individual performances. The individual performances, these guys look like they're, they belong. I mean, that's, that's the truth. And, and the fact that the wins are there are, are just a, you know, because these guys all put together a good spring. I mean, you look around it, there's, there's five or six guys that, that out, outplayed what we probably thought they were going to do this spring. And that's a positive trend. So does this, is it crazy to think that this team is ahead of schedule? No, it's not. It's not crazy to think. I was genuinely concerned that Greg Bird would come back and have no power because we've seen that happen to other players. Matt Kemp had that labrum surgery and it took him like a full season before he got his power back. So it happens where guys lose power and he's leading the Grapefruit League or he's second in the Grapefruit League in home runs. So that is a positive sign. And give credit to the Yankees because that was a, you know, they were, they probably had an opportunity to bring him back at some point at the end of last year and they didn't. They made sure oh, yeah. that why he was gonna, completely Why healthy. are you going to screw with a 24-year-old? So, I mean, but they were making sure damn well that you're going to make sure that, you know, that that arm is 100% healthy and, uh, and, and go through it. I mean, we saw what happened last year or two years ago with, when was it? Last year or two years when Gardner had the, uh, the bone bruise, remember? It was at the end of two years ago, 2015, That right? could be any and year. It, but I'm saying it carried in. It carried into the following year of bone bruise, like a deep bone bruise. Things linger, and if you don't let them completely heal before you start doing things, you're going to get residual effects. Do you have any bold predictions for the season, either for individual players or anything like that? Acquisitions, trades that you could see happening. Uh, you know, as far as bold, I think I think making the wild, uh, making the playoffs is a, is a completely bold prediction, and I and I really do think they have a very good opportunity for that. I, I do. I think this team can can make. I think this make this team is ahead of schedule, and I think that if the Yankees can see that and they're and they're in the hunt around the trade deadline, they very well make a move to make their team even better. So, when that if that does happen, if they if they are within five games at the trade deadline, the Yankees will go out and they will make a move. And if that's the case, then the Yankees could absolutely take another step. So, they I think playoffs are absolutely in play, knowing what we know now. Uh, for for the season, I mean, I think I think Didi missing a month could be big. I mean, that could really set a tone. Well, you never know what we're going to get out of yeah, that. Yeah, that I mean, you and I agreed he's probably the third most important position player. Of course, that's going to hurt. But I think that I mean that that could be one of those situations where where hopefully it doesn't derail this team for the long term. Well, because if you're off to a bad start, then and then young players start pressing, you could see a, you know a waterfall effect where everybody just you know starts pressing and pressing and pressing. And when you have a young player pressing, nothing good happens. I'm glad that it seems like they're not bringing in an outside player to fill in for Didi, because yes, me too. because if they went out and made a trade for someone for Didi. I would think maybe the injury is a little bit more serious. Um, be, 
I think that they could get by with with Tyler Wade or or Pete Cosma or Torres or whatever. No problem. I think Pete Cosma is Nick Ahmed. I mean, I think they're practically the same player. And this is not to say I don't mean that. Oh, they're not going to miss Didi. They're definitely going to miss Didi, but I don't think that they're going to. It's not going to be like a Stephen Drew situation at second base. You know what I mean? No, I mean we're talking about we're, we're. I think the alternative right now, what you're talking about, is going out and bringing in a guy no, where we have guys. That's a 2013 guys, Yankees move. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we have guys who can fit that bill right now. I mean, mm-hmm. if you go into the minor leagues, who just got tri- uh, optioned to Triple A, um, what's his what's his face uh, from the Mets just got optioned to Triple A. I mean, he's a guy that could come in. I can't think of his name right now. The yeah, broken leg boy. Yeah, if he were to come up and and play, I mean that's Nick Ahmed. I mean let's I can I can give you Nick Ahmed in, in five different guys. <laughs> How many Nick Ahmeds you want? I got five. <laughs> yeah, we do. I mean, there's literally five of them in the Yankees system right now. All right. Uh, the next question is from Nick, and he says, "What are your thoughts on how Girardi dealt with the influx of young players, even in the spring? Also, do you think Bird Spring has any indication of the type of season that could be coming? We just answered that second part." Uh, first part about uh, the influx of young players uh, that Girardi's had to deal with. Deal with. I put that in quotes because that's not exactly a, a problem. I think that uh, Girardi has you know spaced these guys out. They've all been playing quite a bit. I think we've uh, we've seen good opportunities for them to shine, and they've shined. I mean, we knew that Girardi Girardi's favorite type of team is a young team. Uh, you know, and I think that we saw that with when he was with the Marlins. We, we know that he does not really like to deal, deal with big personalities and cater to guys that he has to cater to because of their contract or because of their, their personality. That's just not the way Girardi works. So, yeah, I mean, I think we even saw when we were at spring training, right? How many times did we see – actually, that was Jacoby Ellsbury. But we saw Girardi sitting out on his lawn chair and, and talking to the guys. I mean, he's a player's manager in that sense. So I think he can, he can really get in with these guys. The one criticism I'll give him is is uh, is maybe around this Clint Frazier thing. I think maybe Joe Girardi could have put a stop to this all this nonsense with the media, or at least could have put the kibosh on on uh, on talking about it more. I think he oh. didn't help the matters help matters when he also was quoted that it was a distraction. I think when you're looking at a young guy like that who's trying to do well and he's doing the right thing, and and then maybe fueling to fueling the fire a little bit, maybe unintentionally. I think he could have handled that possibly a little bit better. I don't know. I disagree. I thought the quote from Girardi was was dead on. He said it was becoming a distraction, but props to Frazier for taking it and cutting it off and putting an end to the story. So what? As soon as He's you got say the word distraction, as soon as you say the word distraction, you're done. <laughs> so, I'm serious. Well, was, he had to go to thesaurus.com to try and find a new no, word you for just, it. You, like, just, you know what? You just just avoid it altogether. It'd be like, he's doing what the no, team is asking I hate, him to do. I hate when... The thing I appreciate about uh, Brian Cashman is that he doesn't sugarcoat shit. He tells you how it is. I love that. Brian, Brian Cashman's one deal. I'm talking about no, Girardi. I know, but Girardi was doing the same thing in the Frazier situation. That's not yes. Girardi's job. Girardi's job is to protect his players. <clears throat> that, his job is to protect his players, especially his young players. I thought he could. Especially, thought the he two, especially the number two prospect. I mean, the, he could come out and say something. You know, remember how, we, how I wanted uh, Mickey Minnow to come out and say something to the media for Roger Maris because he was just completely getting shit on by everybody? And Mansell had the opportunity, the, the, um, the, the platform to say, hey, back up. I mean, Girardi has the opportunity to say something like that. Like, this guy is hustling. He's working his butt off. He's doing everything we ask him to. He's in love off the field. He's not causing any distractions. You keep mentioning. He's in love. Let him him do what he's got to do on the field. 
it's frustrating. It's frustrating to watch someone uh, like that. Just it's almost like he's getting bullied. That's like the buzzword of uh, of of the now. Girardi, uh, I think, like you said, loves young players. I thought Girardi was in a, a tough situation coming in in two thousand eight because he was managing players that he played with. That, that's pretty tough to do. Managing Jeter, yeah. managing Posada, who they kind of had Which a little bit. There of was a, no, there was blood there. Yeah. Um, Mariano Pettit. I don't know. I don't remember who else was on that team. Uh, obviously, A-Rod wasn't, but, I mean, there's no bigger circus than A-Rod. Um, so, I just felt like that was a tough spot to put Girardi in. We saw him succeed with the Marlins uh, with young players, so maybe he'll succeed with the Yankees with young players. Well, again, I think he's in a position for success because I think this is what this is what lends to his, his uh, strengths as a manager, so... Okay, what do we have next? And it's the final mailbag. This is from Noah Adler at Noah Adler 99. He says, who do you think the most underrated Yankee of all time is? So this was, I was thinking about this when it, when it came in. And it's tough because I can't call someone who I never saw play like underrated. Like, remember that uh, sock therapy trivia question about Earl Coombs? Like, yeah. that would almost lead me to believe that Earl Coombs was a pretty underrated player. But I'm not going to call yeah. him the most underrated player because that was in the 1920s, and obviously I wasn't around. The most underrated player of my time, I think, is Bernie Williams. Oh, you come on. <laughs> we didn't even we didn't discuss, and apparently Scott it agrees with me that Bernie Williams. How many times do we have to say that is bullshit that he gets gypped on the core for? And... He, I was looking up, um, I was on baseball, I was, I went to look and I was checking who the, the top all-time Yankees, they rank it by war, which I know you love, and Bernie was in the top, like, 12. And he just doesn't get the love that someone of that caliber should get. So, when I read this question, I was thinking of underrated players, and, and to me that's like guys who don't get the recognition for their stats, or guys who aren't, who, who aren't part of... Who aren't named when they're when you're talking about championship series and and while Bernie Williams isn't named when you're talking about the core four, he is named when you talk about the teams as a, as, a, as an yeah. integral part. So so the way I kind of interpreted this question was underappreciated. Underappreciated. And that's the, exactly. the the first person I thought of was Bernie Williams. Yeah. Where where he's completely getting gypped in the whole aftermath and like looking back and because these guys the the core four are getting so celebrated as the core four, it's complete. It's so it's so ridiculous that Bernie Williams is not included. In, uh, in in that in that in that group because he was absolutely part of it and you know I, I think it's because partially of the way that his his uh, career ended and and the way that he was almost forced out without retiring I think there was a lot of that that played into it because you know the Yankees they hold there's grudges sometimes with the Yankees and players at the end of careers it's been known to happen and I think there was a little bit of that with Bernie and the Yankees yeah underrated is a tough thing because if you're if you're an all star can you be underrated? Like Bernie yeah. was a, a regular all-star. Right. So, and he's, and when you talk about those teams, when you're not talking about just the core four, you talk about Bernie Williams because he was an absolute integral part of those teams. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd have to, I don't know. Tweet us your thoughts on who you think the most underrated Yankee of all time is. Tweet us at Yankees podcast. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Andrew underscore Rotondi. Follow Scott at Scott Reinen. Submit podcast questions at bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast and call the voicemail line 646-480-0342. Remember that 25% off fan shop code is 
Bird. No. No. Delicious. <laughs> Wrote it down wrong. Fan shop code delicious in honor of Greg Bird's cat. Um, next week, opening day. So they're going to be pretty uh, pretty fun leading up to there. Um, Scott, uh, any last words before we lead into this Tampa Tampa recording? We have... We'll have one game before the next time we record. So we'll be able to actually talk about a regular season game yep, one, on the next time we record with uh, with opening day happening on Sunday. So, yeah, I mean, this is what it's all about, right? We've been leading up to this all winter, and now we're finally getting it. So let's see what this uh, 2017 team can do. If the Yankees win that game, it's World Series. If they lose that game, it's a disaster. 100%. That's it. Can't wait Flip for next point. week. <laughs> all right. Enjoy the last, last part of this podcast. Here in Tampa. Cheers, Scott. Hello. 2017 Yankee Spring Training. It's been fun. It's Saturday night, so we're winding down the trip. You've got an ass crack of dawn flight tomorrow morning. 6.30 a.m. Not good. looking forward to that. It was good. really, really, really dumb. Yeah, good planning on your part. Yeah. It was like what I did last year, and it was daylight savings time. So yeah, That was worse. 22 minutes of sleep, and then went straight to the airport. And we got hungover. And we got hammered yeah. Saturday night. Take it, we're, we, we're one year older, so we're a little bit more wise. Yes, this is uh, this is this has definitely been a, a much more mellow Saturday night. Last night was fun. We had uh, two really good games, right? Two walk-off wins, two walk-offs. So does that mean we're the good luck charms for the New York Yankees? Yeah, I think what the Yankees need to do, we need to somehow. Well, we we saw Jason Zello today. Yes. What we need to do is we need to tell him we were at both of these games. We saw walk-offs because we were there. They need to put us on the payroll and get us in Yankee Stadium every single game. It's not a coincidence that we were also at Aaron Judge and Tyler Austin's first back-to-back home runs ever. We were we are actually the people who anointed the new era post A Rod. Yeah, and this is just a continuation of that. That was the last game I went to last year. Was that the last game you yeah. went to? Uh, yes. Uh, I think maybe I went to a game at Fenway Park actually, a Yankee Red Sox. But but yeah, we've had some good luck. As a as a group, as a Bronx Pinstripes team attending games, I think we've only seen one crummy game. Well, we got we got crushed by the Blue Jays. A couple that years was the ago. only one though. The year before, we saw them beat the Reds. Well, we all remember that. I don't remember how many times we've all done the Bronx Pinstripes <laughs> outing. Like literally, I don't remember how Scott, many years. Yeah, for one time, you at one point you thought we did it like since two thousand nine. No, that's not true. I, it was definitely like there's two more years that we did it that I don't remember. That's bad. Ah, uh, yes. But back to what we saw in Tampa this weekend. We went to the Friday game. Weather has been great also. Yeah. Friday, it wasn't even hot. It wasn't even, it was like, it was just nice. I got a little sunburn. There was a breeze. Shout out to our boy Tommy, podcast listener. I'm sure he's listening right now. He uh, he took us around around Tampa. He was like, you're not going to get better weather than this in, in March. It's usually oppressive. So. Yeah. And he ended up sitting a couple rows behind us, so that was cool. And the weather was 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 awesome. Last year it was freaking like scolding hot. Yeah, it was like a hundred degrees. I don't do well in the heat. No, uh, I guess that's you're not used to it. I'm not built for heat. No, you're very white. You are very white. Okay, and and what are you? I'm not as white. Slightly <laughs> less transparent. <laughs> Translucent. I have freckles. <laughs> uh, it was a fun. It was a fun couple days. The it's always weird though with these walk offs. Because by the time the ninth inning rolls around, you see number 89 and 77 out there. So you don't even really know who's doing what. 
The Blue Jays absolutely gifted the Yankees their win on Saturday. Made three or four errors. I think two in the ninth inning. The last one was a literally a yeah. ball. It was a Bill Buckner ball right through yeah. his legs. Tying run scores. It was it was terrible. And yeah, that you feel like you're having like a John and Susan moment in the ninth inning. Like you know, who is who's number eighty nine? I don't have a telecast to look at. I don't know who that is. But uh, it, we talked about this last week. Winning culture. They're building a winning culture. It's true. I mean, you look at what happened last year with Double A and with Triple A. They gave the rings to the guys on uh, the Triple A guys on Friday. Those rings look pretty sweet. They are legit. If you have not seen them, go check out some of the uh, Instagram Instagram profiles. Some of Dietrich Ennis posted a really good picture of the. Uh, of, uh, I think Barbado posted one as well. They're legit. They're legit rings. Yep. And, and these guys are they're winning in double A, they're winning at triple A, and now these are the guys that are you know graduating to the Bronx. We have some guys who have uh, come over via free agency who have won ball games before. Matt Holiday has definitely had some postseason success. So these guys are they're you're right, the culture of winning is is prevalent and it's exciting. It's yeah. finally back. Yeah. I feel like it was the whole team was kind of sleepwalking for a couple of years. Yeah, I agree. It was there was no energy, there was nothing. It was just kind of Going through the motions with old guys. It it, it's, it's almost like we were waiting. You know, we were waiting, for, but we didn't know what there we was were nothing, waiting there, for. We were waiting for yeah. anything. We were just waiting for them to die. We were waiting for something. Yeah, we, were we just waiting. didn't know what the hell it was. We were, I mean, for a while, we were just watching Jeter go out. We were watching Mario. We were in purgatory. Yeah. We were stuck in the middle of nothing. And I think you and I were talking about this while we were watching the game uh, at the game on Friday, that even if they suck this year, which I don't think they're going to suck, right. but there's a, a small chance they could suck. It'll at least be fun. It'll be fun because they're new guys or guys that we know that are going to yeah. be around for a long time, and it's the building of something. Building See, of now something. we're building something. Yes. It's different. It's going to be – that's going to make the next championship, which we all hope is sooner rather than later, that much more enjoyable. Isn't it unbelievable how fast this happened, though? Well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. No, I mean how fast the, 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 ex, the oh. level of, of excitement yeah. and, and the level of optimism and just – just looking at this team when it was two years ago and to now, it's unbelievable August how one, different it is. August 1 last summer. Yeah. Uh, not to re- I don't want to harp on a negative review we got because it wasn't really <laughs> negative in the, in, the, uh, in the iTunes reviews, but someone said that he thought our podcast was a little bit too negative. Yeah. And you and I kind of laughed because we were like, well, he clearly has if he was not if he was listening before the trade deadline of last year, what would he have said? Oh, because worst podcast ever. Yeah, high negativity. <laughs> we were only negative before they they sold. I, I appreciate all reviews, even the bad ones. I, I, we we take them as constructive criticism. I you know I like hearing anything and everything. Mostly five stars are great. That's the ones we like the best. But these are are, are helpful for us. But I try, I just I would love to hear more. We've been so. So freaking optimistic. I'm it makes pr- me sick. I'm proud of you. It makes me You've sick been, how optimistic I've been. been so good. Yeah. Uh, I will. Don't worry. I will find some. Oh, as soon as the season starts. Yes. Yeah. But this off season has been has been extremely positive. It had to be a Chase Headley comment. Had to be because that's still that's I did, still a tone. Chase Headley, you see him ground out into a double play with yes. bases loaded. I yeah. called that today. Yes, you did. Yeah. He's a bum. But that's pretty obvious though because. You're probably going to call it every single time. Well, the reason Chase Headley got under my nerves so much last year is because he was sort of like the epitome of what the Yankees were in the first half of last year. Yeah. They were a dying team. We were in purgatory, like you just said. And he, his stupid, plain face 
was like the epitome of just nothingness. And I hated it. I hated him for it. At least now there'll be a number of other guys that I'm. You don't have to worry about him. He's just another guy. Exactly. Whatever. He's going to bat seventh, eighth, or ninth. And he's not going to be on the team for much longer. Exactly. So I. There's no future for him here. I think last year was especially bad because he was the worst player on the team for a while. And he, and, he, and he was boring to watch, and the whole team was boring. But now they're not going to be boring anymore, so I don't think I'm going to be as negative towards Chase Headley. Good. Yeah. He's a really nice guy. Really nice guy. And that makes you a good ball player. Yeah. Yeah. Swisher's a nice guy. Talking about great transition. Yeah. Talking about nice guys. I mean, this dude does not turn it off. I, he, must, he must go into, like, deep depressions when he's at home or something because <laughs> – Every time you see him, whether he's on camera or, like, we, we met him in person today, I mean, just the nicest dude, like, super energetic. I don't, I don't know how he greeted us. He greeted us like he had known us for 10 years. Yeah. And we're like, uh, yeah, we just met you. <laughs> he gives a big bear hug. You want to take a selfie? Give me the camera. Let's take a selfie. Yeah. Nice guy. Really nice guy. He was hamming it up with a bunch of people out in the right field bleachers today. Yeah. He was having fun. Um, you know, I appreciate the fact that he's out there and uh, being one with the people and he's He's so wide open to people approaching him, which is which is awesome. Because I think, you know, while while people will talk about you know him not performing as as well, he had a couple of good years, but postseason postseason was terrible. People will always remember that, I think. But I think the one thing that they'll remember the most is just his 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 attitude, his charisma, the the attitude that he brought to the team, and and that it was fun. I think that will always be his lasting legacy. I, he legitimately brought some life to the 0-9 team. Yeah. He helped him and Burnett doing the, the pies on the walk-off wins. Right. Remember that weekend in May where they had like three walk-off wins? Yeah. That was the weekend it got going. And like you and I were talking today, him having it up with the fans and him genuinely being excited to be out in the right field bleachers goes a long way to how much money he's made in his career. No doubt. No doubt. Because if he's not that guy, he's probably not going to make – I think teams actually look at that, one, when you're a good clubhouse guy, that weighs into the decisions on, you know, why you're on the team, especially if you're not a great talent. If you're just an okay talent, you're a really good clubhouse guy that brings all the energy every day and people love being around you, that helps you immensely. Yep. So he was fun. We, uh, we got a picture with him that we tweeted it out, put it on Instagram. Uh, the, uh, he's kind of, he, it was just all part of the spring training atmosphere which I think yeah. you and I agree is extremely fun. It's really good. Yeah. Uh, if you guys, if you guys have not been to Tampa and, and been to the new renovated stadium as well, but I mean, we said it was good last year. I think it's, it's even gone up a notch this year because of all the stadium renovations they made. And I got to tell you, they are awesome renovations. Like they did a very, very good job with planning it, with executing it. It's all, everything that he did was really good. Yeah. That, that, uh, that catwalk across, uh, around the outfield, right behind the fence, it's on the, it's on the first level. So when you're walking around there, you're going on the first level right behind the fence. It's awesome. I mean, they're really cool views out there. And the fact that you can do a 360 all the way around the stadium is, is, is pretty sweet. You get some nice breeze out there that you might yeah. not get in the, in the stands. It's, it's fun because spring training, I think people come down here to Florida or they go to Arizona and it's usually a weekend away or a long weekend from winter. So they just want to sit outside in the sun and have some beers and drink and have fun. And baseball is almost secondary. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a Florida trip or it's an Arizona trip and the way the stadium is now well, set up. Well, it's built up around the, the, it's built up around the games. I think a lot of people do. Yeah. But then they enjoy everything else. They enjoy everything else because you and I for three or four innings just Made laps. Yeah. 
you watch the game the whole time. Yeah. But you're walking around, you're going to different bars, you're, you're saying hi to people or doing whatever. So a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. And the, uh, the, so the, the major, the cat, the, the walk around to me was my favorite. Like, I really like the views from center field from, you know, you're getting different perspectives. It's pretty cool. And you, the players are right there. So you get a long fly ball. Like there was a long, we were headed, we were out there and there was a long fly ball, the warning track that Jose Bautista tracked down. I mean, he's right there. I mean, it was, it was pretty cool. Um, and then the two bars that they have in the right and left field, they're they're open bars, so they they well, there's a lot of breeze. Not there. open in the sense that they're oh open. yeah, no, there's not, it's not all you can. Drink. Not like a wedding open bar. No, 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 like garage doors on two <laughs> sides open, and that's there's like air going through it. Uh, but again, really cool. The cat the well, not the catamarans, the uh, cabanas. Cabanas, eh, kind of <laughs> not so much. Maybe they should have put a little bit more effort into the building of those. Yeah. It's just an open area with it's just bougie. Yeah, it's just probably like a couple hundred bucks to go sit there for no reason. It, it, it'll be good for it's good for like events, and I'm sure during the Tampa A season they have a bunch of companies that go in there and rent it out. It's it's good for that. It's it's a really cool minor league park too, if you think about that, because they use it for. Well, it's legit. It's a legit stadium. Yeah, I mean, it's not big. It's it's small. It's really small. There's no bad seat in that place. You could sit in the quote nosebleeds. Bigger than a lot of normal spring trips. I know, but there's not a bad seat. No, I mean we were the tickets we got today were third, in, third from the back. Yeah, and we it just was, got a cheap ticket so we could go and hang out it, and like box seats. <laughs> yeah, they were great seats. Yeah, like it's a really good view of the of the of the field. Although when we were we were three rows back on on the first day and yeah, seeing a baseball game. From three rows back is ridiculous. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I haven't sat that close. Well, we sat that close last year for spring training too. Yeah. But I haven't. I've the closest I ever sat a major league regular season game was probably like ten rows back. Yeah. Um. And there's, I mean, there's nothing better. No, it's pretty awesome when the when the players are right there. You can hear everything. Like you we, hear their footsteps like yeah. hitting the bag as they're running to first base. Yeah, you can hear the arguments with the rep with the uh, with the umpires. You can hear them make the calls. Like all, you hear all the sights and sounds of the game. When you're that close, it's pretty pretty sweet. So as far as what we saw on the field, uh, Carter, Chris Carter played first base on Friday. And Bird has looked so incredibly good. He hit another home run on Saturday. I'm so excited for Greg Bird. And I'm equally unexcited for Chris Carter. Well, there's nothing – you don't really need to get excited about Chris Carter. He is what it is. You're getting your, – your excitement for Bird is scaring me. I'm, I'm not going to lie. We were out in center field. And I swear to you, what did you say? You said something, and you were serious. You had like a serious MVP tone. candidate. Yeah, and you were. It yeah. didn't look like you were joking. That and I also said he's going to hit three hundred, and you're like, no, that's he's not yeah, going to hit three hundred. Yeah, you I'm think like, he's a, yeah, a three hundred guy? Yeah, he's a three hundred guy. Because yeah. you asked me who is a good comparison. Yeah, right. And I for Greg Bird, I said John Olerud. Right. And you're like, oh, because they kind of both tall, lanky, left-handed yeah. hitters. I'm like, yeah, but also. Olerud would hit a ton of doubles and hit 300. And you're like, oh, I don't think Bird is going to hit 300. I'm like, he's definitely going to hit 300. He's definitely not going to hit 300. He's not a 300 guy. Friendly wager? Yeah, absolutely. Name right. it. I don't know. Beers at beers at the at the event this summer. All right. Fine. <laughs> Halfway th- in June. Because he'll be hitting 600. <laughs> yeah. So even if he goes yeah. over. <laughs> um, but I, I don't know. I, I personally think he's going to be more like 260, 270. But... We'll see. I mean, if he's a 300 hitter, I will gladly lose that bet because that would be awesome. He looks phenomenal. The dude's got easy pop. It's also, I mean, he plays perfect for Yankee Stadium. Yeah, and he's a perfect Yankee. He's, I think, I think he's 37 years old in his mind. Built in the factory, the yes. Yankee Stadium factory. Perfect. But uh, Chris Carter, he he's got warning. He looks bad. 
warning track power. He looked. I've never seen him play in person. He's and just a, he kind of kind of fat, out of shape. He doesn't big guy. He does. It's amazing that he doesn't swing hard ever. When he makes contact with the ball and the ball goes out of the stadium, he's not swinging that hard. Like no. the dude, I, I was so unimpressed with his at bats that I couldn't believe that he fell into forty home runs last year. And he's always that's he's what hit six hundred at bats will do for it, you. But that's the thing. Like I was just unimpressed by his just looking at him. I, I had never again. I had never seen him play in person. Really haven't paid much attention to him on TV. I just, I guess I, I know who he is and I see the numbers, but looking at him in person, highly unimpressed. It's almost like he done, he didn't even have an approach at the plate. Just right. It was random. Hacking. Yeah, yeah, he's looking for a fastball and he's going to put a, like a halfway decent swing on it and it wasn't even that good. And if he hits that fastball in that spot that he's looking for, it might go out of the stadium. Yeah, he's just he's just a player that every time he plays, I'm going to wish Greg Bird was playing. Yeah. Or, 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 Tyler, or Tyler Austin. Or Tyler, yeah, or Tyler Austin or if he's DHing for... For holiday or whatever the, the case may be, I'm just not excited for Chris Carter. I just I, have, I don't after watching him in person, I have zero confidence. Maybe if there's a brawl, that's it. You know what's funny? If you look at the at the uh, league standings right now for spring training home runs, Greg Bird's I think number, number two. This was like no, yesterday. One. No, this was yesterday. He was number two. When I saw this, it was yesterday or the day before. Whatever. Right. It's irrelevant. My point is, he was number two, and do you know who number one was? No, Peter O'Brien. <laughs> yes. Peter O'Brien was a catcher slash first baseman with the New York Yankees. Third base. No, he, no, first base is a catcher. And they were I think they released him eventually, or they traded him to the Diamondbacks. That's what it was. And then he got released and tossed around. Now he's on, on Kansas City. So I'm looking at what Peter O'Brien could be, because he's a big strikeout guy too, big home run guy. But he came up with this winning culture of the New York Yankees, right? He's friends with all these boys. That guy would be perfect. <laughs> he's a Chris. He's Chris Carter two But he's gotten for four hundred thousand dollars or whatever the league minimum is. Um, everyone got excited about Peter O'Brien when Reggie Jackson was like, he's yeah, yeah, got yeah. more power than anyone I've ever seen in my entire life. Right. Yeah. He probably had ice cream that Prob- day. Probably. <laughs> uh, are you? When does Matt Holiday have to get a restraining order on you? Might be soon. Yeah. Might be soon. Because he's, he's pretty unbelievable. He's your age, yep. and you're like, "Wow, that is a man I want to. I want to. <laughs> I want to be that man. I want his forearms. It's terrible." Yeah, yeah. No, the dude is. Uh, he's huge, and um, he also goes no him. undershirt with the jersey. Yeah, he's old school. That's like I was man, saying, he's got, he has uh, he has uh, uh, calluses on his nipples. <laughs> yeah, po- polyester rash be damned. He's going no <laughs> undershirt. The dude is a. He's a beast. He's an absolute beast. And I think he's going to be phenomenal this year. Looking at the power around him in this lineup. Show up that word phenomenal. Dude's going to get fast. That's a man that's going to hit 300, possibly. What? That's a guy who can hit 300. All right, now the bet is who's going to have a higher batting average. Oh, I'll take that bet. Holiday or... Matt Holiday's got the track record for that, too. Of course Matt Holiday has a good track record, but yeah. I'm saying Greg Bird has a higher batting average at the end of the season than Matt Holiday. That's our bet. Okay, done. All right. Uh... We so CC pitched on Friday. Yes, it was looked right. okay. Doesn't got, need to do anything. No, right? he got in trouble in the second inning. He actually uh, squeaked out of it. But that Phillies lineup is kind of it was trash, crappy. Uh, but he's going to be the day two starter of the season. Yes. So it goes Tanaka, CC, Pineda. No surprises there. At this point in spring, they're just lining those guys up. Right. Tanaka's had an unbelievable spring. Pineda pitched today. In the minor league game, I actually don't know what he did as far as his line. Again, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. He's had a good spring. 
So, but the fourth and fifth starter, we saw Adam Warren pitch look terrible against the Blue Jays' A team. Yeah. The Blue Jays had Donaldson, Bautista, yeah, and everybody Travis, maybe one or two. Uh, Tulo in there, and, and Warren got hit around pretty good. Yeah. And uh, we saw Severino pitch in relief. And look phenomenal. On Friday and look phenomenal. I mean, I don't know what that says, Severino coming in relief. I don't think it says anything after looking what happened today. When you look at the lineups of what happened on – because Pineda, I think, was originally supposed to pitch with the, with the major league team. Then all of a sudden, him and Sanchez are pitching on the double-A team, and you got guys – they're all over the place. So none of this means anything. That's the bottom line. Like, if anybody is overanalyzing spring training and who's playing what and when and where and how, stop. Because it's not going to make any damn sense. Because it doesn't make any sense. It's random. The competition's still out, though. Yeah. Because Girardi specifically said, I got my top three guys, and the competition for four and five is still out. So I say it's random, but it's random to us. Girardi's got some little formula that he's working on. Do you think on. he already knows? Yeah, I do. I do think he already knows. And, who, and you think it's Severino I, I'm still, and Mitchell? I still think it's Mitchell and Severino. So I think those guys have actually... I mean, Severino, like we've, we've talked about at nauseum, I think is the... the the lock for being in the rotation because they want him there so badly. Yeah, they it's want the other guy that the other guy that's the real one that's I think up for grabs. And to me, because of Mitchell last year showed so well in spring and was gonna. I mean, he was he gonna was, be he was gonna be the Adam Warren bullpen yeah. role. And yes, right. And the fact that he's having a really good spring again, he's got the he's got that that really good stuff. You know, so I think they I think they want to see him in there, and he's he's he hasn't done anything to to say that he's not going to make it. I uh, I originally thought maybe we'd see Warren because he's a little bit more of a track record. but And I know you can't react on one start, but what I saw today, I, I mean, he's just... He's I don't know what he is. I don't know, what he, I don't know, know where what he is, is at this point. But that is, we know what he is. We know exactly what he, he is. He was a very good starter in 2015. <clears> before he went to the Cubs. Right, the season before, yeah. He first was. half of the year when he was starting, when CC was out, he was very good. I just you're gonna get that you're gonna he's he's a he's just prototypical. I think Mitchell gives you upside. I think Mitchell gives you the upside in the back. And I, yeah. get, I mean, and I honestly, this year I feel like Joe might gamble a little bit more with things like that because if they can if they can find a guy who is doing way better than they expected or or, or has a great year out of nowhere, Adam Ward's not going to be that guy. If they can find that guy, they might be. I feel like they know if they're like two. Just a couple um, surprise, really good performance away from uh, competing. What? So, so like, what then has to happen in this last week of spring training? Nothing. I think again. I think he's already his mind is made up at this point. I think well, he could could in in your theory, Severino or uh, Mitchell pitch their way out of it. Um, I don't think so. Barring injury. Barring injury, I don't think so. And I don't know when they're going to need that fifth starter. It's going to be a little bit. They're not going to need it in the beginning. Tanaka's going to go on the fifth day probably in the beginning. Well, because they have that extra day off. Because the season extra starts days off. Season starts on Sunday, which is new also. Yeah. Well, the whole yeah. Usually there's a night game on Sunday. Right. Usually the World Series winner. Right. That's right. The Sunday night baseball game. But now the Yankees are playing on Sunday afternoon at one o'clock on opening day, which is cool. Um, but. It's they have. I I've always remembered it being Monday. Yeah, and then they have off on Monday and they play Tuesday, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's weird in the beginning, but but they're they're building in more days off in the beginning. Wasn't that part of the CBA? Is that effect now? <clears throat> I don't remember if that's an effect, but that was part of the CBA where they're yeah. building those days off. 
So, and then usually early in the spring, there, there's days off more than you're getting later in the season because of this, because it's the spring, because it's early, and that's why you don't always need that fifth starter right away. They play, they start at Tropicana Field, so the Yankees are not leaving Tampa, and then they finally leave Tampa after, like, two months. Yeah. We screwed this up, didn't we? We, did. we realized that we screwed up the schedule, and we should have been down here next weekend. Next weekend. And we could have gone to the Sunday opening day game yeah. at, uh, at yeah. the Trop. Yep. Which I heard is a dump, though. So yeah, it would have been it would have been good that we would have been. Uh, Are there? There's know. probably not even spring training games next next Friday. Yeah, maybe. I don't really. I don't know what the schedule is, but uh, final thing uh, that just to talk about as far as what we saw on the field is that you pointed out that Jacoby Ellsbury and Tyler Wade look exactly alike. Well, I proved my point very fast. Because you balked at it in the beginning, you're like, you're like oh. because I just knowing what Tyler Wade, like I've seen Tyler Wade. I just don't think you ever thought about it. Never thought about it. So when we were looking, there was somebody in the dugout. I was like, I was like, is that Tyler Wade or is that Ellsbury? And we only saw the because um, Tyler Wade's wearing 82. So when you see them from the side, all you see is the two, and then like the shape of the other number, and it looked like, like a, two, a two, but it was an eight. And I was like, no, that's Tyler Wade. He's like, you're like, no, that's Jacoby Ellsbury. And sure as shit, it was Tyler Wade. Yeah. <laughs> When they're wearing sunglasses, they look identical. They do. Very similar. I think Tyler Wade's a little be, taller. They could be uh, brothers or cousins. Yeah, they could be. Uh, you think Ellsbury is stealing like 150 bases this year? At least. Yeah. Ricky Henderson style. He's going to be like high. It's going to be a lot. No, I I don't think he's going to steal a ton of bases. I think he's going to steal more bases. And well, the he only stole reason, like 20 last year. The only reason I'm saying that is because and there are certain things that I think you can pick up in spring training. There are certain little things. The fact that Ellsbury has run a lot in the spring leads me to believe that one, he's testing out his just making, just getting in that motion and like trying to be more aggressive on the base path, like things like that. I feel like you could pick up on. We'll see if it, if I'm if I'm right and if, if he does. But to me, that's a very good sign because I think he does need to steal a lot more. Maybe he feel he has something to prove. He, he should. Well, I know, he but so many. He seems like the most mellow. Guy, any criticism would just brush over him because he doesn't give a crap. He's already signed his hundred fifty million dollar contract. This has got to be hit in the ego at this point, though. We're all anybody's talking. I would about hope so. Are these young guys? Nobody talks about this dude at all because they're, he's done jack, and he—they're calling his contract the worst in Yankees history. Don't you want to get out of that? Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, I would. I would be. I would. I would play my ass off to get rid of that stigma. Yeah, that's not a good label. So if if stealing bases is the way to do that, I don't know. I think he still needs to hit more. But they've already they've already acknowledged that he's not going to have power. So he just needs to get on base and you know hit some gaps and run. He needs to run more. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, he's going to be hopefully batting ninth. Yeah, I still believe that he's going to be batting second against righties. Probably. Maybe against lefties they'll put him down in the bottom of the order. They might do a thing with Sanchez in the two hole against lefties. They've been showing that in the spring, too. That yeah. He was in the two-hole on Friday as well. Yeah. He's been in the two-hole a few also, times. Also, Sanchez caught the whole game on Friday. Yeah, and, then caught, and then caught double A today. Yeah, which is weird. Yeah. You don't usually see uh, them play full, the full game. He was the only guy out there for the walk-off that was, uh, yeah. that was any, anybody recognized. Uh, it was a really fun weekend overall, though. Can't wait to do it next year. Yeah, man. Definitely a good weekend. Another, another good one in the books. Yeah. Um, one week away from the season. Looking forward to it. Damn right. It's been a hell of a spring. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. 
Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.